0: Hello and welcome to Retrospection, in each episode we devour the carcass of an old TV show or film and hope we find something meaty and not just a load of old bones. My name's Colin, and I'm sailing on the St Vitus dance.
1: And I'm Paul, and someday my log will have something to say.
0: Oh, a relevant comment.
1: Try to stay relevant, it's difficult sometimes. It's the
0: only one you'll hear for the whole podcast. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Today, we're taking a look at the pilot episode of David Lynch's Twin Peaks from 1990. This series originally ran for two seasons, with a third series appearing this year, unless you're listening to this podcast two years from now, and then it was two years before. Or if you're listening to this podcast, no, never mind. The story follows federal agent Dale Cooper as he attempts to solve the murder of Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks, Washington, a small, fictional American town populated by an eccentric group of inhabitants.
1: Oh, they're eccentric, all right
0: yeah hello yeah. but you I, loved them didn't you i've lived in a few places that are worse
1: <laughs> is, is one spring to mind by any no, chance Name no names
0: <laughs> they know somewhere, who they are
1: somewhere in the northern hemisphere a certain country
0: no never, never <laughs> said that. the series stars cal mclaughlin as special agent dale cooper michael ontkeen as sheriff harry s truman Machinamek as Shelley Johnson. I'm going to go for a few, not all of them, because there's quite a cast list. Oh, there but, is. Lara Flynn Boyle as Donna Hayward. Warren Frost as Dr. Will Hayward. Richard Bemer as Benjamin Hahn. Sherilyn Fenn as Audrey Hahn. Joan Chen as Jocelyn Packard. And James Marshall as James Haley. I'm going to leave it there. I'm sure I've missed out more important characters, but sue me. Did,
1: did you pause on purpose? No, I, I, said... I, I, I had to do this
0: thing called breathing.
1: Oh, it's just, you know, when you said Sherilyn Fenn as Audrey horn (laughs) did i really yes you did (laughs) it's all right maybe maybe it's built in
0: yeah i completely understand (laughs) the series was written by mike frost and david lynch and the pilot was directed by david lynch although it was almost directed by steven spielberg wait wait, where did you read this is this one of those internet facts that you pull
1: from your ass (laughs) if it's on the internet then it's got to be true (laughs) that's your slogan right Yes, it is. Apparently, um, no, Spielberg was such a fan of David Lynch that he was going to direct the pilot, but then Lynch decided that he wanted to do it himself.
0: One could only imagine how different that would have been. Oh, it would have been different, all right. Better or worse <laughs> is the question.
1: Well, I suppose if you want dinosaurs in Twin Peaks.
0: I don't think he sticks dinosaurs in everything he does. I distinctly remember seeing Schindler's List and it had a serious lack of dinosaurs in it. <laughs>
1: I'm not, no, I'm not going to say what I was going
0: to say. Twin Peaks is considered by many to be one of the greatest American TV shows ever made. I was greeted with critical acclaim, with the caveat that it's a challenging series for audiences. But I think it's fair to say that the second season was not received as well, and many people were annoyed by some of the choices made during the show's initial run. And I also noticed that viewing figures really dropped after the pilot.
1: They did, they did. I think. I think... I think the problem was that that by the end of the first season, we we find out who the killer of Laura Palmer is. And once you give that away, then I think a lot of the the, the draw of the show was gone. So they had to fill it with other things and then they brought in the whole supernatural aspect that that later became a massive thing. And I think that turned a lot of people off.
0: Did you know there's a European version, a film version of the pilot that actually has the killer uh, revealed in the ending?
1: I know that they, they, they released a theatrical version in, in Europe, didn't they? Is that the yeah. one you were talking about? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, they, it's, you know, and then those pieces were edited into the first season here and there.
1: Oh, right. No, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So anything else, or do you want to get right into it?
1: Oh, uh, no, we, we, I think we should, we should uh, delve straight in, okay. don't you think?
0: Yeah, Ooh. go for it.
1: So we open with
0: brown metal grinder cutting into metal with vibrant green credits. It's lots of brown... It's a rural working town,
1: and it, I think the music mixed with the images it really gives you a sense that that you know this is a it's a small, slow town, but there's something not quite right going on here. Yeah,
0: <laughs> don't look at me like that. No, no, <laughs> I can't argue with that. It dissolves into a log on a train track, and then the population sign for Twin Peaks, a waterfall mm-hmm. cascading in slow motion. Pan across a lake. It's basically like a Twin Peaks tourist video at this point.
1: It is. It's, it's all the places where you could go and get murdered. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Or other things. Other things
0: besides being murdered.
1: Oh, yeah. Like? Like, um, midgets and talking backwards.
0: Oh, okay.
1: All right. So <laughs> Spoilers you... for
0: the season, but, you know. Yeah. Did you like <laughs> the music?
1: I did, yeah. I, I really like the music. I, I think at the time I, I actually bought the the single that was released. I should say that at the time I was, I was all over this. Oh, you were. Oh yes. Don't you remember? Blotted it out. You blotted it out. I can imagine. <laughs> I remember some of the conversations we had. Yeah, I, I bought the I bought the single, and um, played it rather a lot. Wow, but your parents were pleased. Well. They were probably more pleased that I stayed up in my room listening to it.
0: That's true. You could have been playing it downstairs.
1: Yeah, yeah. I could have been downstairs with them. Nobody wants that. <laughs> not, not back in 1991, they didn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we open with Joceline, or Josie Packard, playing by Joan Chen, humming to herself as she applies makeup. And then we cut to Pete Martell leaving his home, the Blue Pine Lodge. And he touches mm-hmm. his wife on the cheek and she ignores him. And he's going fishing outside down by the water. He sees plastic wrapping on the stony beach, and it's a body wrapped up in the plastic.
1: Now, what do you think of this performance?
0: Um, I don't recall thinking anything of his performance because there's a couple of actors later that just blow him off the screen with their awfulness.
1: <laughs> well, this is the thing about the performances. This is what I'm getting at. A lot of the performances in, in this show uh, uh, verge on either being a complete work of genius or... Absolutely dreadful, and you can never quite decide what it is they're actually going for.
0: I don't think. So you think it's a stylized performance that they've been told to do? I think
1: it's very stylized. Yeah, I think it's very okay. stylized. All right. But that's David Lynch. I mean, you 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 look at any David Lynch movie; they're all like this.
0: All right. So Pete calls the police, and the receptionist Lucy Moran contacts Sheriff Harry S. Truman, and at this point. Pete says she's dead, and the sheriff asks where, but doesn't ask who.
1: Yeah, that is. I suppose that is a strange thing to say, isn't it? It implies that that you know that he knows her straight away, doesn't it? Right. So he, but he's again, he's a small town sheriff. You know, he's probably not very good at his job.
0: I guess that's possible.
1: Not, not I'm not casting aspersions on small town sheriffs.
0: Wow, that's yeah. You've lost a massive audience in small town <laughs> sheriffs who listen to the podcast all the time in between fishing bodies out the river.
1: I'm sure they're all very good at what they do, at, you know. Um, people... What a niche group of
0: people to be defending all of a sudden.
1: <laughs> well, it's not really going to impact me, is it? You're the one that lives over there. I don't live in a small town. Well, I suppose, yeah, I suppose that's true. New York isn't particularly a small town, is it? No, not really. You might find yourself one day in... In fictional town of Twin Peaks, Washington. Oh, I'm sure a lot of these places
0: exist, don't they? Okay.
1: I'm, I'm really going for alienation on this one, aren't I?
0: <laughs> so the sheriff tells Lucy to contact Dr. Hayward and have him meet him there. And the sheriff drives off using his siren. Why? Well, he's, he's going to find a body. That's not going anywhere. There's no traffic on the streets.
1: You could argue the fact that how, how many times do you think this has ever happened to him in his career? He's, in, he's like, oh, I get to use the siren. Yeah, probably. He's never he's never had a situation like this before. He's overreacting.
0: Oh, yeah. He's overacting. Oh, overreacting. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's true. This guy's probably the, the least overactor. That is true. I take that back. I take that back. It was a cheap <laughs> gag. Oh, because we don't lower ourselves to those extremes, do we? <laughs> uh,
0: you do. <laughs> so at the scene, they take photos of the body and Andy, one of the deputies, starts crying. Apparently, he cries whenever there's a body. Pretty much cries at everything.
1: Yeah, he's a bit useless, isn't he? On the pl- on the plus side, though, he's got a very nice mullet. Oh,
0: see, there you go again with the hair and the clothing. I'm all about the aesthetics, you know that. Mm. They roll her over. It's Laura Perma. They seem surprised. <laughs> and you're not. <laughs> well, they, they weren't earlier because no one was bothered who it was.
1: Yeah, but they're surprised because they they don't think she's the kind of girl that would get caught up in this kind of a situation, do they?
0: Right. Okay. So at Laura's house, her mother, sir, is calling her down from her bedroom,
1: but she's not home. Oh, and she's so annoying.
0: I, I thought this was one of those moments when I was going to be the only one, but we'll talk about it in a bit.
1: Oh, it just gets worse. Yeah,
0: Laura's mum calls <laughs> Beth. Um, she's the mother of Laura's boyfriend, Bobby Briggs, to see if she's mm-hmm. with Bobby. Beth says that Bobby's not there, but she could have gone running with Bobby
1: and they'd be at the track. Did you notice that the general guy is reading the paper, but he's not sat at a table. He's just sitting on a chair. In the middle of the kitchen, in his uniform. While his wife rubs his shoulders? Yes. I mean, there's oddness going on here, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Oh dear, I know where you're going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Beth suggests that Sarah calls Bobby's coach to see if they're at the track. The coach answers the phone and replies that Bobby is not there and he's been late for a week. And we cut to Audrey Hahn getting into a car. She leaves her home at the Great Northern Hotel to go to school.
1: She's perky, isn't she?
0: She is, yeah
1: very perky Mm -hmm. yes did you like this bit
0: it's okay i know where you're going and i'm not going to (laughs) play i'm just asking you if
1: you like this bit
0: yeah that's all i'm saying it's not it was a very it
1: it was well shot it was not my
0: favorite bit of the whole thing
1: it's not oh no no it's not my favorite bit either there is a better bit like coming later
0: meanwhile audrey's father benjamin Hahn, is discussing the ghostwood development project with leland palmer which is laura's father they plan to buy the Packard Sawmill and have a group of Norwegian businessmen invest in the project. Hahn says your solid information that Packard Sawmill is going to go belly up within a year. Today's presentation to the Norwegians is vitally
1: important. Now, now, is this racist, do you think? These Norwegians, the way that they're presented, is it racist?
0: The music is very on the nose.
1: They kind of remind you of the chef from uh, The Muppets, don't they?
0: <laughs> I think he's Swedish. Now he's being racist. <laughs>
1: I'm English. It's all the same,
0: isn't it? We apologise to our Swedish listeners. Have we got it? Not, not to our Norwegian listeners, fuck them, but to the Swedish listeners.
1: Well, they're all a bit, you know, ergy, urdy gurdy,
0: gurdy. you know. Norwegian is one of those languages where, for the first split second, your brain thinks it's English and that you're having trouble understanding it. <laughs> So a phone call from Sarah interrupts them, and Leland tries to calm his wife down about Laura not being at home. But when Leland sees Sheriff Truman enter the lodge and head towards him, he realizes something has happened to Laura. Sarah starts crying, and crying, and crying. Leland drops the phone. Sarah is annoying. She starts screaming. She starts screaming, and I also think the guy playing Leland, he's terrible. Oh come on,
1: it's Ray Wise. He's great. It's-
0: terrible it, yeah but is he terrible or is
1: he supposed to be
0: okay if he's supposed to be terrible and you're going for this opinion of a stylized type mm-hmm. of acting then he's good but i went from the attribute of he's annoyingly bad
1: if i'd never seen ray wise in anything else i'd tend to agree with you but i know he's he's a good actor i've seen him in. We. i mean you've seen him in loads of stuff this guy what, what have you seen him in uh he's in robocop Okay,
0: yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, he's Mm -hmm. fine in Robocop.
1: And he's in many other things.
0: Oh, he's excellent in those many other things. He he is. Well, maybe you're right then. Maybe I've been looking at this all wrong.
1: You've got to look at it through the eyes of David Lynch.
0: Oh, I don't want to do that. I I wouldn't suggest that. No, no. no. (laughs) We got a shot of the phone hanging down and Sarah screaming. Again. Again, <laughs> we cut to a VW Beetle pulling up at the Double R Diner. It's Heidi arriving late for work. Bobby is there and offers one of the other waitresses, Shelley Johnson, a ride home. Norma Jennings, the diner's owner, suspects there is something going on between them, even though Shelley is married.
1: And we know Bobby's a bad guy because he's got those 1990s uh, bad boy curtains. You know the what? the hairstyle?
0: <laughs> no, I don't mean oh. actual curtains. <laughs> I, like, I don't remember the the drapes come up later in the thing. <laughs> He's not the one who's obsessed with curtains.
1: <laughs> no, you know that that nineteen nineties, um, early nineties hairstyle that was all the rage when we were young. You didn't have it, did you? <laughs> I had her back then in nineteen ninety. Really? Yes, I did actually. Oh, Okay. Cheek. Just the one. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly a few more. Okay. <laughs> See, I look at myself now and I don't think I look any different. Wow, that is one crazy ass circusy
0: mirror you have in your
1: house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those distorted ones that, uh, you know. Yeah, okay. I'm fat, I'm thin, I've got a massive head. <laughs> <laughs> they should get that. What for your
0: house? Yeah, and I never, never need to like watch what I was eating. I could just go in front of this mirror, and if it made me look thin, it'd be great.
1: You, if, if you think you're, you're you know, your, your, your ass is looking a little bit big, you just lean forwards a little bit, and right. you go.
0: Think yourself thin. With...
1: Think yourself thin. Sounds like a yeah. book I should write. Get on it. Yeah, with all, with all the other screenplays that we're writing, apparently. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Shelley and Bobby kiss in the car. Mm-hmm. Shelley's drinking. They're going back to her place. She thinks her husband, Leo Johnson, a trucker, is out on the road far from home. But when they pull up to the house, they see Leo's truck outside. Bobby lets her out the car and in panic drives away. He craps himself, basically. Oh, yeah, big time.
1: But, you know, wouldn't you? Looking at the guy later.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's got a problem. He's got some
1: her problems.
0: Oh, we don't want to go back to that.
1: (laughs) It's not jealousy
0: okay <laughs> that's what you say sheriff truman takes leland to the hospital to identify his daughter's body
1: and he does some more great acting he does, he does. breaks down he does, yeah. i'm a, no, i'm i'm being serious i'm not
0: <laughs> disagreeing with you <laughs> i thought
1: you were gonna say i'm not <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i should cut it and just say that and we cut to the high school we see Donna Haywood, Laura's best friend, at a locker, and she's laughing at Audrey Horne, who is sneakily smoking a cigarette from her locker, and putting on bright red high heels. She's a bad girl. I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think we're getting... We're really getting a, a, a really dark look into uh, David Lynch's psyche, don't you think? Which bits? <laughs> I think we know which bits. Which bits we're focusing on. <laughs> right.
0: And did you see the kid sideways walking <laughs> yeah. across the corridor? Yes, but, but he's... He's blocked by the two girls. It's totally wasted.
1: (laughs) I thought, wouldn't it be great if he he just turned up randomly in scenes later on? Just moonwalked in the background (laughs) sideways all the time. That would be good. That would be good.
0: It would. Now I'd watch it. (laughs) Oh, would that not be pretentious, though?
1: Um, Not that you'd notice. No,
0: (laughs) no, because it's funny. It's funny. Don't you think this this Twin Peaks misses any comedy? Oh, I don't know. I think there's comedy there. Especially
1: that... later when, when, when Cooper turns up.
0: Yeah, I guess he's amusing.
1: <laughs> don't push yourself.
0: <laughs> James Early asks Donna if she's seen Lara, but she hasn't. And they go into class. While the role is being called, a cop enters the class and asks if Bobby is in it. He's not, he's in one of the other classes. I don't know why this cop couldn't find that out before burging into a classroom. Who knows? Don't know. Don't know how many classes there are in this small town, anyway. Ridiculous. James and Donna... <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> just joking. James and Donna realise it's something to do with Laura and they start crying. Why are they crying? They don't know what's happened. Laura could have won a prize for all they know.
1: Well, they know it's the empty seat, don't they, in the classroom?
0: Yeah, so she's not
1: at school. Yeah, and she's, I, I get the impression from all the way people talk about her that she's the kind of girl that never missed a day of school. Really? Well, she, I think she presented this face of her, didn't she?
0: But you don't know that up to this point. You you're you're deriving this information from other episodes and what you've seen. Up to this point you know nothing about her.
1: No, I wouldn't say that totally, because I think that everyone's reaction to the fact that it's Laura Palmer who's died is is, is that we can't believe that it's that something's happened to her because she was such a, a nice girl.
0: Again, I think you're reaching. I think you're getting this information. Oh no, I think I parts. think the
1: implication is there from the beginning. Right from the yeah, beginning rubbish. When, when, rubbish. when the, when the guy's calls shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a democracy. You did? <laughs> Obviously
0: not. <laughs> so, Bobby is questioned by the cops. Mm-hmm. He claims not to know what's going on. Chef Truman tells him that Laura's dead and that Bobby was not where he was supposed to be. He's allowed one phone call. Now, Bobby's really angry. He thinks, you know, angry that they think he's guilty of killing her because he says he loved her. Mm hmm. The principal announces her murder over the high school's PA. He tells him that the police are requested that he ask the students for information on Laura's whereabouts. He starts crying <laughs> and the music gets annoying. This is another stylized performance.
1: Is this going to be
0: your uh, excuse for...
1: <laughs> it's not an excuse. It's a, it, it, you know, it, it, it is what it is.
0: I'm telling you now, when we watch Howard the Duck, I'm going to be using stylized acting all over the place.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> Don't you think though that it did cross my mind that maybe this principal just reacts like this about everything? You know, they get a blocked toilet, and he's 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 on the he's on the uh... he's on the PA. He he's on the, PA. Down the School, starts yeah. crying. <laughs>
0: There's music playing.
1: I'm so sorry. I'm so
0: sorry. Oh God. <laughs> we're, we're out of tape <laughs> You're just gonna have to use <laughs> blue tack. Yeah, maybe. Uh. <laughs> and we get a close up of Laura's photo sitting in the trophy case.
1: And that's an iconic moment in television, that zoom in on the on the picture in the trophy case.
0: Why is it in the trophy
1: case? Because she was again, as I keep saying, she was like model pupil. Everyone loved her. Oh, so you stick publicity shots of the actresses <laughs> well, in the trophy cases. Well maybe she was che- like the you know <laughs> top cheerleader Home, is that i think coming queen or something I yeah yeah i don't know how it works in your country no
0: all right fine mm. so then we fade to black and then now we're at sarah Palmer's house and <sighs> she's crying
1: yeah screaming again i know her daughter's died but come on yeah
0: <laughs> stiff up her lip get over it
1: <laughs> are we harsh no i think
0: it's more the way she cries is annoying yeah, it's that noise isn't it Um... (laughs) so the police question about the last time they saw Laura it's revealed that she was last seen coming home from being with Bobby at 10pm the night before upstairs the police are looking through Laura's things they take her locked diary and a massive camcorder
1: I take at the time Mm.
0: the sheriff asks her if her daughter received any phone calls during the previous night and it's revealed that she did but nobody knows who from and the house phone rings and one of the deputies answers it the call is revealed to be from milk worker Janik Pulaski, saying that his daughter, Renette, is missing.
1: Yeah. I just thought of a way that we could improve upon um, the screaming mother scenes. Oh, yeah? Easily done. She's screaming and screaming. You, you you stay on her for 30 seconds, and then just in the background, you see the random moonwalk guy just... <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> just going past.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that would take the pain off it.
1: <laughs> it would indeed.
0: So now we cut to Josie Packard, the mill owner, and she's arguing Catherine, the manager. Josie wants to shut the mill down for the day due to the murder and the disappearance of the other girl. Catherine doesn't want to. But Josie, being the owner, wins the argument and closes the mill down and tells everybody to spend the day with her
1: families. What? The whole town loves Laura. She's a presence in this, even though she's not in it. I like that. So the, the whole mill closes down because someone who's not connected to the mill has died. So, so I take it you're on Catherine's side.
0: Yeah, it's a mill. It's a business. Why would you close?
1: Well, there's, obviously, it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody, not don't
0: Princess Diana.
1: <laughs> oh, God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think Piper Laurie's very good in this role, don't you?
0: She's okay. She's not Joan Chan.
1: <laughs> I did like the bit where she walked down the steps and just stopped some random guy asking his name <laughs> and then I fired him.
0: And is she firing because he heard her, like, moaning?
1: I guess so. Oh, I, I i suppose there's also the implication that she just wanted to take it out on somebody.
0: Yeah, she was just wanted to, to uh, feel that she still had power.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But either way, it's a nice little moment,
0: I thought. Yeah, that's good. Ronette is then seen, dazed and confused, ropes around her wrists and blooded, walking across an old bridge. Mm-hmm. i only I up to James Early, pulling up at a gas station run by his Uncle Ed hurley that's his name yeah it doesn't I sound guess... right does it <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well it's because it's james early and then his uncle is ed hurley that's right which is just odd because it's a little too close you know suddenly i thought like maybe there was a typo but then i realized yeah that's right that's what it is
1: now james is just a he's a james dean stereotype isn't he yeah because David, yeah. David Lynch is in, he's totally in love with 1950s Americana, isn't he? Yeah, and there's a lot of that in this. Mm-hmm.
0: James gives Ed a note asking him to pass it on to Donna. Meanwhile, across the road, Nadine, Ed's wife, a woman with an eye patch, yells to Ed about picking up some drapes that she ordered. He climbs into his truck and drives off to get them.
1: Now, again, this is, on the one hand, completely ludicrous and over the top, but on the other hand, it's quite funny. Which part? The, you know, the, the obsession with the drapes. Oh. Which runs through the whole series. The drapes do? Yes, those as well. Now, this isn't the first time that these two people have played husband and wife. There's a movie called um, The People Under the Stirs, which was directed by Wes Craven. And they play a kind of like a, um, I think they're supposed to be brother and sister. But those kind of brother and sisters, you know. It's a good movie. I like it. Oh, you do? Yeah. They, they eat people. Okay. It's a good movie. Right. You should check it out. Maybe I will. So now we
0: finally meet Federal Agent Dale Cooper, who's driving to the town, while dangerously leaving a recorded message to somebody named Diane.
1: Ah, no. We meet Diane in in the new Twin Peaks, which which I'll talk about later when we finish the summary in. Oh, okay. And she's played by... um... A cough?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I always knew that
1: David Lynch was weird. Hang on, I can't remember a name. Um, the one in Jurassic Park. Um, T-Rex? <laughs> no, the one with the famous dad. Oh, Laura Dunn. Yeah.
0: And he's listing his expenses and that he needs gas, and then he talks about cherry pie and the scenery.
1: And he's very likable. Yes, isn't he? he is, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And he meets Sheriff Truman at the hospital and tells him that the FBI will be taking over the investigation. And it's nice that Truman is fine with that. You don't get the usual uh, uh, FBI coming in and taking
1: over. He's grateful for the help. Yeah, because this is not I his think. normal. And I, I did like, I did like the little thing that Cooper needs to know what the trees are called that he saw on the drive up there. Douglas firs. Mm-hmm. Although Technically, yeah. they're not. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are they then? I don't know. I read it somewhere. No, you go throw a fact out and then not back it up. Because <gasps> I can always cut the fact out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like talking to myself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they then go to see Ronette the doctor says Ronette was raped and Truman says the only connection with Laura appears to be that Ronette and she went to the same high school Ronette is unresponsive but utters the words don't go there Meanwhile, well, Cooper examines Ronette's fingers even though Truman points out that they've already taken swabs for evidence but Cooper is looking for something else and is disappointed when he doesn't find it they then head to the morgue
1: did you spot the um the little fugitive reference Um, the one-armed man in the elevator that's the one yes
0: I did. On the way, Cooper is introduced to psychiatrist Dr. Lawrence Jacoby. Apparently, Laura was seeing him without her parents' knowledge. He wants to look at the body for some reason, but Truman says no. Yeah, because you'd trust this guy, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, he's, he's very eccentric. Did, you, did you notice his
1: tie? It was a great tie.
0: I know it was wacky, but what was it?
1: It had a Hawaiian grass-skirted girl on it, and, and the grass yeah. skirt was actually raised up, and he, and he was like fingering it and playing with it as he was talking to them.
0: Oh, okay, and it makes you think that maybe Laura wasn't seeing him in a professional manner.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this being the pilot, I mean, you're you're meant to be, um, you know, suspecting multiple people at this point, aren't you? Right. Yeah. It could have been any of these people.
0: So Agent Cooper gets to Laura's body and he looks at her nails. This time he pulls something out deep from under the nail of her ring finger. It's a paper with an R on it.
1: Now, did the blinking light annoy you? Because it annoyed me.
0: No, it was okay.
1: Just change the bulb. You know why they did that? Go on.
0: Cause it wasn't working on the set. Is that a fact? Yeah, I read that. It wasn't working on the set, so and David Lynch liked it so they left it in. See? Genius. A cheap. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well controversial. <laughs> it's a thin line between the two. Hey if it works, and would you would you turn down the prize if it was you? No. Well there you go then. He's made a career of that. Being cheap or being a genius? Of being a genius. Okay. Apparently.
0: Back at Big Ed's gas station, Ed has returned. Donna is waiting for him. Ed hands over the letter that James gave to him. Mm-hmm. It reads, meet me at the roadhouse after 9.30pm. Donna's boyfriend, Mike, pulls up, yelling at Donna that she should go to the sheriff's department and support Bobby. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cooper and Truman are going through Palmer's stuff and Cooper just breaks open a diary.
1: Well, you'd want to read it, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, but Ed, the other police were waiting to try and find a key. Oh, you don't
1: need him. a key, do you? Now, now, this diary was a massive thing at the time. I don't know if you remember that they released it as a book.
0: Oh, (laughs) So in the back of my mind, I remember something about it. Mm
1: -hmm. I didn't buy it, surprisingly. I am quite surprised. (laughs) Yeah, I thought you would be. I thought you would be. I was very tempted, I have to say.
0: I bet you're going on eBay now looking for (laughs) it.
1: You can still get it. I think they've reissued it because of the new show.
0: Of course they have. Mm -hmm. Of
1: course they have.
0: Inside the diary, they find a key and white residue in a little plastic baggie. Mm-hmm. Cooper says the key could be one for a safety deposit box and that the white powder will probably be cocaine, Sheriff Truman says. That's impossible if you knew Laura, which apparently Paul does. <laughs> she,
1: she's the she's the town sweetheart, I told you.
0: Wasn't that your nickname for a few years? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, I like the transition at the end of this scene where um, he, he just Cooper just turns around to Truman and picks up the next bit of evidence and says, "Diane, I'm holding in my hand a small box of chocolate bunnies." Right. Which are relevant in the new series. Of course they are. Mm. See, do you think he was thinking ahead? Do you think he knew that that would be relevant at some point?
0: Is that a serious question? Yes. No. They're just making this shit up as he go. <laughs>
1: Well that's one way of looking at it.
0: Yeah, the right way.
1: <laughs> if you think if you think he's making this shit up as he goes along in this, you should try watching the new series. No, it's okay. <laughs> that was a rather reserved response from you actually. I was expecting something worse than that. Oh, it's a clean show. <laughs> well, is it really? Wow. Okay.
0: Meanwhile, another part of Twin Peaks. <laughs> Deputy Andy finds the location that Laura and the other girl were taken to, and he's crying. Of course. Back at police headquarters, Agent Cooper's questioning Bobby. Bobby is still angry. He seems to be permanently angry. Cooper plays the video found in Laura's camcorder, asks Bobby if he's the one who shot it. Bobby says no. Agent Cooper asks Bobby, has he ever done cocaine? He says he's never done drugs. Cooper tells Bobby that Laura was seeing somebody else with the initial J.
1: Bobby claims to not know the identity of Jay. But Kyle is very good in this scene, isn't he? Yeah. He's commanding, he's charming, and he's disarming, and he's intimidating all at the same time.
0: Look mm-hmm. at you in your dictionary.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I was thumbing through it like, okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> what words can I come up with today? Yeah.
0: He doesn't think Bobby's the killer, and they let him go. Mm-hmm. At the lodge... The concierge is told not to reveal that Laura has been found dead to the Norwegian group, as it could stop them from wanting to invest. Audrey Hahn has been a real pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And she goes into the Norwegians' meeting and yes. then tells them all about Laura being found murdered. She, she does, doesn't she?
1: In a perky, 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 perky way.
0: Are you being paid by perky ink or something? For <laughs> how many times you can say the word perky?
1: Perky ink! The perkiest <laughs> perkiness that you can ever find, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm saying,
0: right? No, you have to spell it out. I don't know.
1: Spe- spell it out. Yeah, you have to tell me. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, she's rather um, interesting, isn't she? And we get we get more um, questionable Norwegian. Uh... Well, the music's like
0: this comedy Norwegian plinkety plunk yeah. sound at this point,
1: and and the the the, the guy's like little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, is that your no? We, it is. Let me, fin- let, me see, let me do it. Let me do
0: it. I've been oh, working right, sorry, on it. Sorry, I've been working wait, on it. Wait, give me a second. Let's prepare. Yeah. All right. Okay, everybody, get ready okay. for
1: this. I'm paraphrasing, but he it's said okay. he says it's something d- you, you, something like, "Little girl, what seems to be the matter?" It's very good, isn't it? Marvellous. Yeah. See.
0: Marvelous.
1: Casting aspersions yeah. on me.
0: I shouldn't have doubted you. I'm lost where I am. Your, your accent is from me completely because it was like there was a different person in the room.
1: We were being perky.
0: You may have been. Donna is now being questioned by Truman and Cooper. At first, she claims there was only two of them at the picnic, so Cooper plays the video and asks her how that is possible when somebody had to record it. At first, she makes up a story about a stranger filming them, but nobody believes that. Mm -hmm. Cooper wants to know who she is protecting and whether his name starts with a J, but finally, Cooper lets Donna leave.
1: And we get some serious Sherlock Holmes stuff at this point, don't we?
0: Yes, because Lucy comes in, reporting to (laughs) Cooper, Lucy then comes in, in reporting to Cooper about overhearing a conversation between Mike and Bobby and that Mm -hmm. they're going to look for a biker. But Cooper already knows that they're looking for a biker because he saw the reflection of a bike in Laura's eyes in the video footage. That's
1: a nice little
0: touch. Yeah, and I think this is also the point where Truman... Like he goes, oh, you know, he, he thinks, okay, this guy's actually good at what he does. He's not.
1: He's as... not just a joke.
0: Yeah. He's not as mm-hmm. weird as he seemed. Mm-hmm. We cut to James sitting next to his bike at the picnic spot in the video.
1: He's brooding. Yes. He does a lot of that, doesn't he? It does. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: At least he's not crying.
1: <laughs> oh, God, no. There's enough of that as well. So at the lodge, the Norwegians are leaving. They are. We get sh- he gets shouted out a lot. To comedy music again. Yes,
0: comedy Norwegian plunkety plink music. Mm-hmm. Audrey laughs at what she's done. Because
1: she's a bad girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Were you vibrating for a second? <laughs> Always. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> Agent Cooper and Truman have found their way to the crime scene that Andy discovered. They find a half-hat necklace. And newsprint with the words Fire Walk with Me scrolled on it in blood.
1: Which was the name of the movie they released. Mm -hmm.
0: It was indeed. Which was bad. I can't remember. I don't think I saw it.
1: That wouldn't surprise me.
0: (laughs) They have to find whoever has the other half of the hat necklace. James is still sitting next to his bike, and we see that he has the other half of the hat necklace. At the Horns, we find Johnny Horn. Audrey's older brother, banging his head on a dollhouse because Laura isn't coming over to tutor him.
1: And he he seems to be wearing a Native American headdress. Don't we all? Well, I was going to say, isn't this how you spend your Sundays? That is racist and inappropriate. It's Saturdays. (laughs) Banging your head against the doll's house. (laughs) Or just any house. (laughs) Just banging my head. Yeah, I'm with you on that one.
0: Truman and Cooper arrive at the bank and open Laura's safety deposit box. They find a magazine, a contacts magazine called Flesh World. And some money? Yeah, $10,000 in fact.
1: It must have been that looking through your sock drawer. Um, you know, money and porn. <laughs>
0: I say, minus the money.
1: Minus the money.
0: <laughs> One of the pages is marked and it shows Renette Pulaski, the missing girl that was found alive. Here is a connection between Laura and her. The magazine also has a photo of Leo Johnson's truck.
1: Mm-hmm. And then we cut to him, don't we?
0: Yes, we do. He's sitting at his home with his wife, Shelley, and he notices his ashtray contains different brands of cigarettes. Shelley quickly tells him she switched brands, and Leo says if he ever finds two different brands again in the house,
1: he will snap her neck. I mean, he's just a douchebag, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. hmm Especially, I mean, he's got. What's, I mean, how would you describe that hairstyle? It's kind of long, tied back, with a bit of a squiggle hanging down over his face.
0: I call it the Orlando Bloom Pirates of the Caribbean hairstyle.
1: Is that because it's shit? Just to clarify. <laughs>
0: <Absolutely>. Okay. <laughs> Narma, the diner owner, calls Ed. He says he'll meet her at the roadhouse around 9:30 p.m. Mm-hmm. As he's speaking, we see his wife across the road in the house constantly opening and closing the new drapes.
1: Now, do you think this is symbolic of something?
0: I don't know. I, I, I can't see because they open and close. If they just closed, I would get a connection, but they open again.
1: Maybe it's signifying that she's she's watching him, that she knows that Ed's, you know, as we find out later, he's uh, he's up, he's been up to no good, hasn't he, with someone else? He has, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm, maybe. Or it could just be David Lynch having a bit of a jolly.
0: Or it could be that she was just supposed to close the drapes, but they didn't work properly.
1: (laughs) That means (laughs) uh,
0: He's across the street going, Cut! 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 And she just keeps going. And then he's like, oh, that actually looks quite good.
1: Leave it in. in. Yeah, leave it in.
0: Could be. At a town meeting, Josie Packard enters. Truman refers to her as the most beautiful woman
1: in Twin Peaks. And doesn't Cooper say as she walks in, who's the babe? There's something like that. Which seemed a little bit out of character for Cooper, I have to say. Yeah, I guess it is.
0: You, mm. expect, him, you expect him to be a little more
1: refined. Yeah, yeah. Because he seems kind of like above all that. Right, you know?
0: yeah. right. And we're also introduced to the log lady.
1: <laughs> and how do. We get introduced to her, Cooper says, who's the lady with the log? And Truman says, oh, we call her the log lady. Yep, that's it. Yep. Well, it says what you see. Nothing else you can do with that, really. So then, Cooper fills them all in, doesn't he? I beg your pardon. See, now I wasn't—I wasn't actually going for that. Then you accuse. Oh, yeah, I take all the flack for this, and it's not—it's not always me. It's always you in the edit.
0: <laughs> Agent Cooper does speak to the town. He reveals that a year ago, the body of a girl, Teresa Banks, was found, and there are similarities between that body and Laura's murder. He tells the town that the killer could be somebody you know and suggest a curfew on anybody younger than 18. Makes sense. Yeah. Except if you're 19 and you get killed. Oh, one year well, out.
1: Maybe Cooper knows something, though. Maybe he knows that, they, they, that it's only 18-year-olds that are getting it. So Hang, the killer, on. The killer, Hang on.
0: Hang <laughs> on. <laughs> most towns. So the killer goes up to him and go, goes to a woman and goes, how old are you? And she goes, 19. And he goes, oh.
1: Is this he asked for ID.
0: Yeah, maybe. That's what he
1: does. <laughs> Well, you can't be too careful, can you? No.
0: (laughs) Afterwards, Donna's dad, Dr. Hayward, tells his wife, Eileen, who's in a wheelchair, about the necklace that has been found. He explains to her that the police are looking for the other half of the hurt's necklace and that whoever has it is probably the killer. This information hasn't been released by the police. Dr. Hayward doesn't know that his daughter, Donna, is listening from the stairs. Donna is going to sneak out of her bedroom window and tells her sister, Harriet, to cover for her.
1: Now, I have to admit that this sister is some pretty bad acting.
0: I think this one's stylized. <laughs> I think David Lynch said to her, this is how you need to play this role, and that's how she went for it.
1: All right, all right, all right. I deserve that one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Why is everybody always sneaking out of bedroom windows in American films and TV?
1: It's a trope, isn't it? Yeah,
0: they always have perf- you know, perfectly placed trees that they can climb out to chop those trees mm-hmm. down.
1: Easily sorted. Yeah. Easily sorted. Yeah. No more sneaking out, you no. know? No. no no more accidental run-ins with Freddy Krueger or whoever it is that these people usually run into. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. chop
0: those trees down. After she's left, Donna's boyfriend, Mike, with Bobby, pulls up at her house and asks Dr. Hayward to see her. He goes up to get Donna and finds her missing.
1: <laughs> so Dr. Hayward says, you're not drinking and driving, are you? As he looks over and sees Bobby standing on the hood of the car with a beer in his hand going, hey! Yeah, then, then
0: Mike says, I'm not, Bobby's driving. <laughs> that was quite yeah, funny. Yeah, that, that, that's the one joke in the whole thing.
1: Oh, you're, you're
0: so harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Hayward tells Mike that she's gone. Mike and Bobby think they know where she's gone and head to the roadhouse. Dr. Mm -hmm. Hayward then calls the sheriff, who is on a stakeout of the roadhouse with Agent Cooper. The doc tells him that Donna has snuck out. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, inside the roadhouse, Nadine and Ed are talking about leaving the other halves. It's obvious they're having an affair. And it's revealed that Nadine's husband is in jail for manslaughter.
1: And we get the the song.
0: Don't you think it seems out of place for a roadhouse of this nature?
1: I, I can see what you mean, and yes, it does. But in David Lynch's world, it's perfectly placed. Okay yeah i guess and
0: we have to yeah we have to accept that twin peaks is a fictional world conjured up by david lynch so that everything kind of falls into that universe
1: yes i don't think it would work in any other kind of show no it would it would really stick out but because you, by this point you've you've had you've had an hour and 20 minutes of, of utter insa- insanity you know this is fine <laughs>
0: It would be it would be very weird if halfway through the Dukes of Hazard, Boss Hog sats down in a roadhouse and listens to that. I
1: agree. <laughs> I'd like that. Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> would too. You'd rather be watching Dukes of Hazard anyway. Um. Don't deny it. No, I was never a huge Dukes of Hazard fan. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure you'd probably. T- well, we'll talk about it after. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And Donna arrives at the roadhouse. Cooper and Truman are hoping that somebody would lead them to the person with the initial J. Truman requests backup and tells Lucy to inform Dr. Hayward that his daughter has been located. Mm -hmm. Inside the roadhouse, Mike sees Donna and yells at her. Mike grabs her, and Ed, seeing this, tries to stop it, and then a fight breaks out.
1: And then one of the biker friends spirits Donna away, doesn't he?
0: He does, yeah, and Truman and Cooper follow.
1: (laughs) And um, Truman says to, to Cooper, do you think they spotted us? And uh, Cooper just replies by saying, "Give me a donut." (laughs) That's
0: how I answer every question.
1: It made me think of you. I have to say,
0: (laughs) Colin, did you uh, did you send this message? Give me a donut. That's
1: how I, Colin. Did you uh, did you pay that really important bill from the other day? Give me a donut. (laughs) Isn't that how life works? apparently the requested backup arrives at the roadhouse to sort
0: out the fight meanwhile cooper and truman think they've lost donna but then they hear a motorbike sound donna meets up with james she hugs him she tells him the police are looking for him but he knows this already Mm -hmm. and he thinks they'll lock him up because he doesn't have an alibi
1: and they realize how much they actually care for each other don't they at this point
0: they do and james claims that laura was saying crazy things that night that bobby killed a guy At the time, she was making no sense, but now he thinks whatever she knew got her killed. He says she seemed at times to be a different person. She sounded so sad, and then she ran off. Donna comforts him, and then they kiss.
1: It's a a great setup for a series, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm.
0: Sirens can be heard in the distance. She tells him about the necklace and that if the cops find him with the other half, they'll certainly think he did do the murder. He buries it, and then he goes to take her home. Agent Cooper and Truman see them and stop them. They arrest James, even though Donna pleads his innocence. Mm-hmm. And in the cells uh also Mike and Bobby, who stir <sighs> at James as he's brought in.
1: Hey, this is annoying, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it gets annoying in a bit. Cooper lets Donna go home with her dad, and Dr. Hayward seems pretty understanding about it all.
1: I thought it was a nice scene, actually.
0: Yeah, it's a nice scene because it plays against what you would normally expect.
1: Yeah, you'd expect him to cheer her out a little bit, but he doesn't. No, no.
0: Back in the cell, Mike and Bobby yell at James when you least expect it, then start making strange noises for some reason. They
1: start barking like dogs, don't they?
0: Yeah, they're they're kind of nuts, right? Yeah, and
1: it's it's really irritating. It's on a par with with Screaming Woman. It is,
0: absolutely.
1: its absolutely
0: it got on my nerves, too. Truman makes his way to the Blue Pine Lodge and meets up with Josie Packard, but they're being watched by the manager. Yeah,
1: and we also find out that Catherine and Benjamin Horne are an item as well. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Secret, secret, secrets in this town. Yeah. Put that on a poster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad they didn't go for something catchy like that. (laughs) Truman looks out over the water and says the murder must have happened this time 24 hours ago, and Josie says she's afraid. Sarah Palmer is laying on the sofa and sits up screaming as she had a vision. We cut between her screaming again Mm -hmm. and a gloved hand pulling the earlier buried necklace from the soil, and then it ends.
1: It does, and... Wouldn't you tune in the next week if you saw that? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, today. If you saw that today, would you tune in next week? I still didn't.
0: <laughs> no, it is it is something that makes you want to watch it. More. Absolutely, I can't I can't argue with that. Really, seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Paul. <laughs> yes. What did you think of the pilot of Twin Peaks? Well, for me, David Lynch is is a director that. I can never quite decide if he's, if he's a genius or if he's just being self-indulgent. You know, it could go either way for me sometimes. And that being said, I mean, this is Lynch on a bit of a chain. You know, he's on somewhat of a chain here because this is network television. I mean, compared to what he's doing on Showtime with the new Twin Peaks, you know, it's, it's pedestrian Lynch. But if you compare it to the movies he was making at the same time as this, this is, this is very, very watered down, David Lynch. But that being said, it's still odd. Right. And I can never quite decide whether he, he really means it and he's trying to say something or whether he's having a big laugh at everybody's expense. I just don't know. Mm. But all that being said, it's an iconic show. You can't deny it's an iconic show. And, and it's got a really good sense of dread mixed with like homespun Americana, which I really like. I like the music. I like the performances. And the performances easily, could easily tip over into being over-egged melodrama. I mean, it's, you don't know what you're getting from moment to moment, but I kind of like that. It's fun Mm -hmm. and it's undeniable that it's a show that's, its presence can be felt even now in things like Fargo and um, Riverdale. You know, they've got so much of Twin Peaks in them. So for me, it's, yeah, it's a hit. So go on, let me have it. (laughs) Well, first of
0: all, a tad, because unlike many of our other shows, this pilot Feels more like a first chapter than a self-contained story, mm-hmm. and of course, one feels the weight of popular opinion if they say anything negative about the show.
1: Well, people are saying negative things about about the 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 new show,
0: right? You know, but like the first time I saw this, I'm not compelled to watch it all the way through. I feel no connection to the characters, and I have no interest in seeing Laura. Palmer's murder solved Mm -hmm. I'm also suspicious of its weirdness other shows like Northern Exposure which must have been influenced by Twin Peaks almost immediately absolutely
1: yeah
0: yeah has strange characters or an odd spirituality about it but for that show it felt that the oddness was organic to the characters in Twin Peaks I get the impression that it's weird for the sake of being weird almost as if they took the characters, and then went through it, and went well. We're going to have to add something, otherwise, it's not a David Lynch production.
1: It's funny you should mention Northern Exposure because Northern Exposure was always considered to be kind of like a Twin Peaks light show. Yes, it was a copy, but it it, it didn't quite go that extra mile that Twin Peaks did. It was more commercial,
0: which is probably why it ran for longer.
1: Probably, completely agree with you. And and Twin Peaks, in you know, in all fairness, did kind of lose its way as i say i've been watching the new the new series of twin peaks and it's it seems so far removed even now from from what from this from this pilot that it's almost like i'm watching a completely different show right it's it's something completely different this is david lynch the the new series is david lynch completely off the chain Hmm. you'd you'd hate it
0: i don't
1: know maybe i'd like it oh trust me you wouldn't i'm i'm barely coming back every week I mean, and I like Twin Peaks.
0: My problem with the pilot is it's not it's not bad. It's just I just didn't find it that extraordinary or interesting.
1: But can't you at least acknowledge the fact that it is important in in TV? I think Twin Peaks. Yes, I it can. was something yes. that had never been done before.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Yes,
1: and and, and it it does have an impact on on shows even today.
0: Oh, absolutely. I I just don't necessarily think that that translates into
1: something that I want to watch. So, what you're saying is it just didn't really connect with you. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. it didn't back then, and it didn't again now. And I can see that. I can see why it wouldn't connect with everybody. Yeah. I mean, so, sometimes I sometimes I've struggled with two, Twin Peaks, you know. So, and I'm a fan. So, so so, are you saying it's a hit or a miss for you? It's a miss for me. It's a miss for you. So another split decision. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for Twin Peaks. Yeah, but we've had some uh, correspondence, haven't we? Oh, we have indeed. Would you like to read it for a change? Is that is that because I'm the one who's got it up? Oh, well, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> uh, it's from a guy called PDG78.
0: I don't think that's his birth name.
1: <laughs> I'd love it if it was.
0: Yeah, that would be great.
1: Wouldn't that be a cool, name? Yeah, it would be great, be. wouldn't it?
0: Well, yeah. if it's cool. would be the right word, but hold on.
1: He says, hi, Paul and Colin. You see how he put my name first? But... Yeah. Don't like yeah. him already. <laughs> he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah. He's got my time. Um, he says he's loving the episodes, especially Tango and Cash. The listener figures would disagree, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pleasing everybody. Uh, he says, Anybody. here are a few ideas. Anybody. says here are a few ideas for future reviews do we do we review things is that what we do i do what do i do then yeah oh is that it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we kind of review i guess
1: yeah Uh, it does feel like (laughs) it well no not
0: when you make the sound
1: (laughs) (laughs) that was a bit yeah um moving on uh he says uh some of his suggestions uh roadhouse Roadhouse. I think that's a, I
0: think that's a yes. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that since the um well since it probably came out at the cinema. I don't think I saw it at the cinema though. Oh. I must have seen it on video.
1: You don't you don't own Roadhouse?
0: I don't think I own a single Patrick Swayze
1: film. Oh, not true. Not true. Told a lie. Dirty Dancing.
0: Surprisingly no. Um <laughs> Red Dawn.
1: Not Real Steel. Not Real Steel. What was the other one? What was it called? Blue Steel.
0: Wasn't that the Zoolander perfume, I <laughs>
1: think? <laughs> no, I'm sure he did a movie that was a post-apocalyptic thing. It was something yeah. Steel. Steel Dawn. Steel Dawn, that's it. So he said, "Yeah." So he says Roadhouse, Near Dark. That's one you'd like, I think. Yeah, that's a nice little Catherine Bigelow <laughs> vampire movie from the yeah, 80s. That's, def-
0: that's definitely up your street.
1: It's got a great cast. It's got Bill Paxton, Lance Hendrickson, yeah, um, okay. Adrian Pasdar. Yeah,
0: sounds like one we should do at some mm-hmm. point.
1: The Driver, with Ryan O'Neill. I think it, 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 that, that's a nice 70s movie, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I like that film.
1: Island at the Top of the World, that could be a good one. Yeah. And then he mentions something called, and I'm not sure I can pronounce this, Flack clear Flakli... Flack There. How does it go? Do you know what it... What? I don't have it written down in front of me, the other one with the... Flack you know. Pure Grand Prix... Pinchcliffe Grand Prix 1975. Is this a movie? I don't know. It might be a bit niche for us. But, and neither of us are car guys, aren't we? That's true. Although I just did say I like the driver. But I think we like that just because it's cool. He says, apparently this animation, oh, so it's an animation movie, animated movie. Oh, yeah. okay. This animation inspired George Lucas for the pod race in Phantom Menace. So we're definitely not watching that then. <laughs> 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 so we won't be doing that one uh, PDG78. <laughs> just call him. just calling pg we're friends PG, now pg okay pg he does give us his name at the end oh okay the labyrinth that's got to be on the yeah that
0: yeah that's got to be on the list, yeah, be, yeah, on the list.
1: <laughs> and the dark crystal dark crystal you know i've never seen I don't it like that never thing. seen it
0: i don't like it i saw it in the cinema it's a load of puppets isn't it <laughs> yeah that was on the poster <laughs> Dark Crystal, Jim Henson, a lot of puppets. Five stars. <laughs> Five stars, Empire. No, that was, um, I'm not a big fan of that film. It's the, it's, I think of all the Jim Henson films, that's the one I least like.
1: Hmm. But as I say, I, I never, it's funny, my, my wife's a big fan of Dark Crystal, but I've never seen it. She keeps trying to get me to watch it, but.
0: Hmm, maybe we should watch it then for that reason, just so you can see it and see what you think. Be interesting.
1: <laughs> I'll probably like it and you'll hate it even more.
0: I, I, You'll probably like it just 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 because I already revealed that I'm not a big fan. You probably will say you like it because that's the way you roll. Are you
1: saying that I I operate on a contrary status to you? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying.
1: It's not true. We've agreed many times on this podcast. No, we've not. <laughs> I think we have. I think the evidence says. See, you're doing it now. <laughs> all right, all right. But yeah, there's some good suggestions there. I think we could uh, we could do a few of those. And that's from Paul yeah. Paul in Basingstoke.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Paul Basic Stock for writing in. Yeah, thank you. And if you'd like to write in... or well, me? You can if you want. <laughs> you'd have to learn how to write first. Dear Retrospection. <laughs> <laughs> Please give Paul more uh, time. Yeah. He's the best in the show. <laughs> he, Instantly know it was from you. He's not
1: sexist. <laughs> he's really not.
0: So if you'd like to write to us, you can reach us at retrospection at email.com. You can also find us on Twitter at RetroSpecky. We also have a Facebook page and we have a Spotify playlist that contains all the themes and songs from the films and TV shows that we've seen. So
1: what are we doing next time?
0: I believe we're heading into the world of Doctor
1: Who. Ooh, what are we doing? Are we doing Tom Baker or are we doing Sylvester McCoy? Are we doing Colin Baker? Are we doing Colin Baker?
0: Well, we're not doing uh, canon material. We're going to the world of Peter Cushing. (sighs) Non-canon? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we're going to be doing Doctor Who and the Daleks from 1965.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: Which does Peter Cushing as the Doctor. So thank you for listening and join us in two weeks' time for Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. Bye.
1: Bye.